Welcome to Nicosia Uncut, produced and presented by Andromahi Sophocleos and Kemal Baikal. In this first episode of 2023, we discuss the elections in Cyprus, Turkey and Greece and analyze prospects and possible developments. Welcome to Nicosia Uncut. This is the first episode of 2023. Obviously, we have a full agenda, especially considering the fact that we have just had the Turkish Cypriot local elections and then we are going to have the presidential elections in the Republic of Cyprus. And then we now know the date of the Turkish elections, uh, upcoming uh, elections in Turkey. So we have so many things to discuss. Let's not forget that there will also be a parliamentary elections in Greece in 2023. Andromahi. Yes, we are in an election uh, spree, let's say, uh, two weeks before the elections in the Republic of Cyprus and a few weeks after the Turkish Cypriot local administration elections. And um, we are here to discuss what it is at stake, what the candidates uh, propose and uh, what it is that we expect in 2023 on these issues. Starting with uh, the elections, the presidential elections in the Republic of Cyprus, we now know that we have uh, three main um, contenders, independent Christodoulidis, DC candidate uh, Neofidou, and Akel candidate Mavroyannis. Uh, we also have other candidates. So now that we are very close to the first round, how do you see the, the picture? Just to clarify that Mr. Christodoulidis is in fact, yes, he's technically running as, as an independent candidate, but he's supported by a number of parties like Center um, Vico, Viba, the Democratic Front, and even by the even smaller parties like the Solidarity Movement, oh, and also by the Socialists who reject the Bizonal Communal Federation, EDEC. Up to now, there have been a number of uh, opinion polls and in all of them, there is a clear lead by Mr. Nikos Christodoulidis. And then, according to the polls, at least, it seems that, that there is going to be a, a fight between uh, Averov Neofitu and Andreas Mavroyannis about who will get the ticket for the second round of the elections. And it has been a very long election campaign. And uh, I, I think people are tired, even though everyone is gearing up in these uh, last two weeks of elections. But I would like us to to take some minutes and look at what the, each of the main candidates is um, supporting when it comes to the Cyprus problem and the energy issues, just for our audience to get a, a picture as to uh, what it is at stake for the Cyprus problem. Here, uh, we will start with Averov Neofidu. Averov Neofidu, as you said, he is the candidate of uh, the Democratic Rally Governing Party, VC. Uh, uh, Mr. Neofidu, clearly accepts the Guterres framework when it comes to the Cyprus problem and he and he wants to proceed from there uh, and in in his rhetoric he puts forward two issues one is the NATO membership of a united Cyprus so he's saying that Cyprus should utter its determination to join NATO from uh, as early as today but he clearly wants to put forward the idea that the United Cyprus will be a member of NATO and he thinks that this will unlock, let's say, the guarantees uh, 
uh, issue. And when it comes to energy, he, he puts forward the idea of an energy collaboration after a solution. Uh, but he makes clear to clarify that a number of politicians, including himself, uh, have been approached uh, for an energy agreement prior to a solution with the Turkish Cypriots. But he said that he, he has been clear that this is not going to be possible prior to a solution. So this is the outlook for uh, Mr. Averov Nafidu. Mr. Nikos Christodoulidis, on the other hand, rejects parts of the Gutierrez framework. Uh, and, and in fact, one of the thorny issues for him is the issue of the property as put forward in the Gutierrez framework. And he would like to see those aspects uh, renegotiated. There is a clear sense of delay in Mr. Nikos Christodoulidis' ideas about the Cyprus problem. I mean, he suggests looking at other constitutional systems (laughs) to think of maybe ideas about unlocking some of the deadlocks in the Cyprus problem. So it's kind of reminiscent of Mr. Anastasiadis. Where he gets differentiated is the fact that he puts forward the need for the EU to be more involved. He wants the European Council to appoint a political envoy for the negotiations. And he has recently put forward the idea of suggesting for the unfreezing of a number of chapters for uh, Turkey's EU accession by putting the Cyprus problem in the equation as well. So he wants to link the desires of Turkey out of the European Union with the Cyprus problem. And also Mr. Christodoulidis, he refers to the Turkish Cypriots as well in his program, uh, suggesting uh, for uh, preparing them to join the EU. He speaks about the enhancement of the Greek Cypriots and Turkish Cypriots that are uh, in favor of a solution. And he calls for a state policy on the Turkish Cypriots. So this is the approach of Mr. Christodoulidis. There is a clear tendency of delay. Well, I mean, if you look at the parties that support him, some of which even reject the Bizonal by Communal Federation, you understand uh, why. When it comes to Andreas Mavroyanis, finally, he's supported by opposition party IKEL, who have been staunch supporters of a solution. They supported Mr. Anastasiadis. Um, in his run-up to Kramontana. Mr. Mavroyanis accepts uh, the Gutierrez framework. <laughs> I suppose everyone in our audience knows that Mr. Mavroyanis was the negotiator who uh, negotiated, basically, what got us to the Gutierrez framework. He suggests that uh, if he becomes president, the day after he becomes president, he will call Mr. Gutierrez, the UN Secretary General, and call for uh, him to be involved directly in the Cyprus problem. But uh, he keeps repeating the need to create um, what he calls organic conditions of peace prior uh, to a solution. So he speaks about enhancing cooperation with the Turkish Cypriots and uh, arranging for collaboration on a number of issues even prior to a solution. And when it comes to the issue of energy, that is where Mr. Mavroganis is differentiated from all other uh, candidates, in fact, because he suggests that the gas that was discovered in the Aphrodite field offshore uh, Cyprus should be transferred to Cyprus for electricity production. And he suggests that that uh, natural gas could also be offered uh, to the Turkish Cypriots at the same price as as, uh, the Republic of Cyprus will be buying it. And he sees this as a very positive, um, confident building measure that will also reduce the electricity prices in both sides of the island. And he also suggests that 
since uh, Cyprus won't Turkey to enforce the Ankara Protocol, we should be in a position to suggest to Turkey for the Republic of Cyprus to sell its gas from its uh, fields in the ex- exclusive economic zone to Turkey for domestic consumption, even prior to a solution. So this is the, the outlook. But uh, give me your thoughts, Kemal. In our episode that was recorded in November 2022, we were discussing and finding out that uh, no real issues have been on the uh, had been on the agenda up until then. So, from what you say, I understand that finally the candidates have started to get into the issues and started uh, forming uh, their positions. Is it true? First of all. And secondly, how do they see their positions regarding the Cyprus problem, considering the fact that now that Turkey and Turkey's Cypriot position is um, nothing to do with what it was during um, before Crown Montana days? Well, that's an interesting question. I would say that you know these are the main ideas that have come out of the three major candidates. But I would still think that uh, we have not touched on on specifics, at least not all of them. I mean, we are still discussing what happened that night in Cramont and I in the final dinner. We are still discussing about the Gutierrez framework and what exactly it was. So you see that we are kind of in a situation in which we discuss something that is so unreachable that one would think that the candidates would engage with more specifics and would approach the problem as we face it today and not as it were five years ago. And the fact that we have them discussing this at the, at the time when a bizonal by communal federation is not even mentioned in the United Nations Secretary General reports on the UN mission in Cyprus, it goes to show how we failed to uh, pinpoint the problem. And this happens at a time when the Turkish Cypriots are feeling increasing pressure. This happens at a time when Turkey is enhancing its grip on the Turkish Cypriots. And the Greek Cypriot politicians that are running to become the presidents of the Republic of Cyprus, they fail to articulate specifics, at least the majority of them, I want to be fair, and they failed to target the specifics that would respond to the problem as it currently exists. Um, we know that since Cran Montana, but especially after the election of, after the election of Mr. Tatar as the Turkish Cypriot leader, Turkish and Turkish Cypriot side have clearly positioned themselves towards a two-state solution, which is not a realistic option, which we all know for multiple reasons. Where We don't have to repeat the reasons again. First of all, again, just briefly, it is against the United Nations resolutions and it is against any common ground that has been agreed so far. And I think the international community also have this understanding that the Greek Cypriot political um, elites are not really genuine about a federal solution. I think there might be some sort of an understanding or belief by the international community that despite all talk, for some reasons um, (laughs) that are (laughs) understandable, I think they see that the Greek Cypriot leadership is not really uh, believing in in, in, a, in a, a BBF uh, model. How come that the Greek Cypriot leaders are now 
the candidates are now talking about BBF and uh, whether there will be any other way out to this problem other than a federal solution, um, realistically, is my question, are my questions. <laughs> well, I think that kind of goes to show what the situation currently is in the Greek Cypriot political sphere. There is no sense of urgency and there is no sense of understanding as to where we have come today. And the fact that all three major candidates were in some way involved in the negotiations and a five-year hiatus since uh, 2017 and in the three years that uh, during which Mr. Akinji was still in power. And, and now we are discussing as though it is also possible. And allow me to say that Mr. Christodoulidis, if we are to be fair in our analysis, he is indeed following what Mr. Anastasiadis was doing. I mean, he's re- he remains true, let's say, to that policy of delaying, of not having the sense of urgency. So I would say that he is kind of uh, constant in, in his moradaman stance when it comes to the Cyprus problem. Uh, my major questions are firstly to Mr. Averov Neofitu. I mean, what has changed because he was supporting the government that you know was acting in the way that it was acting in the years that Mr. Akinci was still in power. And of course, I have the same question but to Mr. Mavroyanis, but I always put the political power how, higher than the position of a technocrat. So all these are questions that uh, the candidates should be faced with today. And uh, at the same time, as you know, it is pretty convenient when the other side has moved away from a uh, bizonal bicommunal federation to remember that to support it. In fact, <laughs> funnily enough, or upsettingly enough, there are journalists that have been demonizing uh, bizonal bicommunal federation for years, and now they are lamenting against uh, um, the fact that Mr. Uh, Antonio Guterres didn't mention a bizonal bicommunal federation in his latest report. So it's kind of ironic, and it, it goes to show about all the contradictions in our political uh, discussions. This, I think, brings us to the elections in Turkey because regardless of the outcome of the elections in Cyprus, I think the positions will need to be reconsidered, uh, especially after the elections in Turkey. There are many uh, who believe that Erdogan will finally lose power to the opposition bloc. And there are those who say that uh, the opposition are not skillful enough to dethrone Mr. Erdogan from the power. Regardless of the outcome, um, there are also uh, discussions about the possible uh, effect of the Turkish elections on Cyprus and Cyprus problem. And uh, there are many who are very pessimistic in the sense that even if Mr. Erdogan loses power, the alternative uh, coalition, the Kemalists, the centrists, the uh, the right-wing um, coalition, if, uh, if, if I may, the possible coalition, will still be uh, quite hawkish towards uh, the Cyprus uh, problem and they will probably be wanting to promote uh, TRNC and and two-state solution. My answer to those is that, let's say that in scenario A, Mr. Erdogan will stay in power. I think 
Um, Mr. Erdogan will want to mend its relations with the West, with NATO, with the EU, with the the uh, global uh, finance uh, financial institutions because economic situation in Turkey is not uh, very um, let's say uh, promising. Uh, if if I may, yes, Turkey try to play. A diplomatic role um, in the Ukraine um, crisis uh, and uh, try to balance uh, between West and Russia. But at the end of the day, I think the fact that Russia is also being uh, crippled uh, economically and the fact that Turkey will eventually be needing to restore its relations with its big, biggest trading, trading partner, which is the EU, I think uh, Mr. Erdogan will need to uh, make an opening um, on on multiple issues, including um, the Cyprus issue. Um, and there are those who say that the real reason why um, Turkey flex its muscle is because they realize that they consider Republic of Cyprus leadership as not genuine about federal model. So. They thought that maybe uh, if we increase the bets, um, maybe Greek Cypriots will be forced uh, to to come closer uh, to a deal. But of course, these are speculations. Whatever the the outcome, if Mr. Erdogan and AK Party will be re-elected, um, they will continue to invest, um, controlling the Turkish Cypriot Turkish Cypriots and um, controlling economically and politically and socially their grip um, on of North Cyprus. Now, in, a, in scenario B, where Mr. Erdogan will not be elected, then probably the new government will also be wanting to uh, reverse the adventurous uh, foreign policy of Mr. Erdogan, to say the least, and they would probably want to restore it, regardless of the fact that there is a general anti-West sentiment in Turkey. I think they will want to um, balance it at least a little bit, because Mr. Erdogan has been uh, quite eccentric, uh, moving from one uh, side to another uh, on multiple issues. And I think they will want to put Turkey back into a more stable route. And that would mean that, again, first of all, they will not have the means and um, the experience of exerting their control on Northern Cyprus uh, the way AK Party has been doing uh, recently. And two, I think they will um, want to, um, let's say, find at least a common ground when it comes to the Cyprus problem because of the the EU um, relations, possible relations of Turkey with uh, new Turkey with the EU. In any case, if Mr. Erdogan will lose power, that will also create a sense of optimism all around the world, I guess, right in the region. So, like there will be a let's say a wave of sympathy towards the the new government in Turkey. So, uh, in any case, I think we should be expecting some, let's say, movement and a possible, uh, let's say, opportunity to, to see if uh, the, a new process can, can be started. Again, we will see it. We cannot read the future yet, but we can at least say that statistical, statistical is not uh, sustainable and uh, eventually the West will be affected the most because of the energy issue, because how Russia is being involved, um, or the way they want to exclude Russia's influence in, in that part of the world, and because they will want to make sure that Turkey is back on track when it comes to the security 
on this part of the world. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, no, I that? agree. And I think that uh, it is not um, irrational to think that after the elections in all three countries, because there's also going to be elections in Greece, it is not irrational to think that in, uh, after all the elections are over, there might be an interest by the international um, players uh, as to whether something can be pushed. Uh, it is worth remembering that Mr. Erdogan's rhetoric against Greece is increasing in the, um, as, as he approaches elections himself. And so I believe that maybe the internationals will want to see or investigate the ground after the elections. Having said this, though, even if there is a window of opportunity, it is clear that it is going to be a small window of opportunity because I don't think that the international community would in any way be seriously concerned to waste capital at this stage on something that has been going on for so long in the case that they do not see any interest or any signs by the sides after the elections that there is an interest for a fast proceeding of um, of settling out the differences or of, or at least of some way to collaborate on certain issues so the turkish elections will take place on 14th of may 2023 it was uh, announced by mr erdogan And this means that there will be only a few months between the Republic of Cyprus elections and Turkish elections. And um, how do you see uh, the United Nations and the EU being involved uh, with the Cyprus problem after the elections in Turkey? First of all, we know that there was this, uh, let's say, I don't want to say a fight, but let's say there was an attack Uh, or criticism towards the United Nations by Republic of Cyprus uh, recently? And how do you see the European Union uh, institutions and, and main countries interested in or getting involved with the possible developments in Cyprus problem? And let's not forget how do, to ask the question, how do we expect the United States to, to be playing a role in this? First of all, I think... Before we go there, I think it is worth you telling us a bit about the Turkish Cypriot elections, uh, local administration elections, and I would like this because after you say that, um, we can put the, the reaction of the internationals in a, in a wider context. Well, the um, local elections, of course, has the local election in the Turkish Cypriot community, they had their own dynamics and it's not directly relevant with the Cyprus problem or the positions Uh, towards the Cyprus problem. But the most important point is that uh, pro-solution candidates and pro-solution parties won um, Nicosia and, um, and Kyrenia and uh, Famagusta, three uh, big cities in the uh, northern part of the island, which shows that the Turkish Cypriot opposition, they still have the ability to, to fight back at least and to organize and, um, and and win elections, okay? Now, the fact that those uh, pro-solution candidates won the uh, the local elections, they, they are now the mayors in, in the north, doesn't mean that all voters would be voting in favor of a federal solution. But still, it shows that despite this Um, heavy intervention by AK Party government um, in favor of Mr. Uh, Tatar in uh, the uh, elections uh, when Mr. Uh, Akinji lost. The opposition still managed to gather some support. And I think that brought some optimism because I think 
it is important for Turkish Cypriots to feel that they can still continue to resist this domination by AK Party and uh, their favorite party, UBP now. And uh, it, it brought some hope. But of course, we still are suffering um, economically. We still don't have any opening other than through Turkey. We are still vulnerable to Turkish intervention and Turkish help as well, uh, financially and, and in all other uh, ways. So that can also be uh, discussed later towards the end of the show uh, of, of our program how uh, what kind of openings can the republic of cyprus can make towards the turkish cypriot to show that they are considered uh, part of of cyprus so the, this is the outcome of the the elections in in the north so coming back to my questions um within this context how do you see the U us un and the eu getting involved in the Cyprus problem, especially after the completion of elections in Turkey. This is why I think it was important to have the Turkish Cypriot perspective in the question, in the sense that it is important for the EU in particular to understand that there is still ground in the Turkish Cypriot community that wants to resist. And uh, it is there, we see it, uh, we see it lately with all the people rising up against theocratic uh, <laughs> statements and this is the reason why rationally speaking it would be to the interest of the internationals but in particular of the EU to look at Cyprus after the Cyprus problem solution. I understand that the Ukrainian issue is much more important for the EU at the moment because it is much more direct and with greater consequences at the moment. But I think if uh, the EU wants to have any sort of strategic outlook, it should look to Cyprus and it should look to how to either facilitate the negotiation process or the recommencement of it, uh, or to work on um, on a strategy on the Turkish Cypriot community and how to enhance the Turkish Cypriot community and how to enhance all the people that are resisting. Because you have a European Union community that is resisting against an oppressor and the European Union should not shy away from supporting it anymore. And when it comes to the United States, I think that uh, with everything that we see and the altercations between Turkey and Greece, but to be fair, currently it is mostly Turkish rhetoric that is problematic. And, and with the increasingly unstable region, because Israel is also increasingly unstable. I would say that uh, the United States would also have an interest in looking at the region and in looking at solving something or at least reaching some sort of, of a progress on, on, on an issue that is so, uh, that has been so long standing and that can potentially influence uh, the region significantly. What about the United Nations? <laughs> Well, to be honest, I think that um, the United Nations are currently at a difficult stage in Cyprus. They are being constantly attacked by all sides. I think that uh, the Secretary General himself uh, has been tired of the issue. And let's remember that there is a war going on in Ukraine. And uh, I, I am sure the United Nations must be going through internal criticism about, about its importance in the midst of this war. Um, and so I think that, uh, well, if you look at it from their perspective, even then it should be to their interest to at least try to succeed somewhere. Uh, but I'm not sure as to whether 
there is the any sense of urgency on behalf of the United Nations. I would expect the international powers to be much more politically aware, let's say, of, of the need to for initiatives rather than uh, what the United Nations can do at this stage. I find it a bit strange to see uh, Republic of Cyprus attacking the United Nations, especially when it comes to their operations in the buffer zone. And, you know, recently they tried to uh, start a new initiative with open a, a historical football field right in, in the buffer zone. And it also created um, many problems between uh, between sides. And it also led to the criticism of U- United Nations by Republic of Cyprus. But at the end of the day, I think it is important to not to pull the rack uh, away from the, the feet of the, the, the those institutions, but because eventually you, you would you would need them and we all would need them for stability on the island. Especially when it comes to the Republic of Cyprus, this is where I find their actions lately counterintuitive because uh, the United Nations force in Cyprus is at a stage in which it is being pressured by the Turkish Cypriot uh, leadership. There are uh, the, the demands for them to leave unless they sign the SOFA agreement or at least some sort of an agreement with the Turkish Cypriot leadership directly and they are being constantly pressured and there is no sense of understanding by the Republic of Cyprus that they need to at least leave some breathing space for the United Nations to maneuver uh, in this setting because it is to absolutely no one's interest for either the United Nations or, or the European Union to lose its access on the Turkish Cypriot community. So obviously I am not suggesting signing a soft agreement. I think this has been clear that it is out of the question. But what I am saying is that this whole fuzz and the leaks of the discussions between the head of ANFISIP and the, and the Minister of Foreign Affairs and all these very negative leaks regarding the presence of the United Nations in Cyprus, they are not helping anyone. And at the same time, they are also enhancing the the mistrust towards an international organization on which we depend uh, in this setting. And so it is all counterintuitive. And, um, and, and I think that the Republic of Cyprus should be much more aware of the repercussions of such actions. We've been discussing about Turkey increasing its control in uh, the north and uh, in the Turkish Cypriot affairs. And uh, recently there uh, have been new um, agreements between um, the Turkish Cypriot officials and Turkey that there will be a cable uh, for electricity between Turkey and northern part of the island and that the Turkish Cypriots will now be accepted um, to the Turkish hospitals without, I don't know what kind of a you know, protocol or procedure will, will happen. And such openings uh, have taken place. We heard uh, that there will be a big, a, a new um, housing project will take place right uh, in Derinya. And also this created many questions whether this will be uh, like, what Israel has been doing in the in the in the occupied area of Palestine. So, but again, this will bring us back to the question whether a Republic of Cyprus is also be prepared to play a more instrumental role in reaching out to the Turkish Cypriot. Whether they will do something about the the crossings because um, you know last um, <laughs> I don't know one year two years we've been talking about long queues 
and then still no solution, no discussion about um, solving the problems at the crossing points or uh, opening new ones. The issue of uh, Turkish Cypriots, who's uh, one of their parents, um, have the Republic of Cyprus documentation, and uh, they used to have, uh, they used to be entitled for Republic of Cyprus documentation, passports, and IDs, and and this was stopped. And whether this will again be a new opening towards the Turkish Cypriots is is a, a recent discussion. We also heard it from the statements of Mr. Uh, Niazi Kızılyürek, Professor Kızılyürek, who is an, an MEP. So um, again, this can be another um, an easy opening, if if I may say, which would not be challenging uh, the the official policy of Republic of Cyprus either. So. I think these are some of the things that needs to be asked and 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 discussed, which means uh, playing a more clever role in uh, preparing sites maybe for a, a new reconciliation uh, process, even if it is not going to uh, look very uh, optimistic in the political uh, track one. Uh, there might be new openings uh, in track two. I think what it is important to highlight here, Kemal, is that this... Um, expectation that one gives a confidence-building measure and expects something in return should not be guiding the, the policies of the Republic of Cyprus. It is the Republic of Cyprus's interest at this stage to be taking the measures that you mentioned and even more measures uh, because we are talking about the enhancement of uh, Turkish grip on the island and therefore the Republic of Cyprus should not be expecting for something in return from the Turkish Cypriot community. They need to understand what they are faced with, with an intransigent leadership guided by Turkey, but there is a Turkish Cypriot community there that is resisting and that it is showing its resistance, and this is to what uh, the Republic of Cyprus should be responding, while, in fact, we also need to make it clear that we are talking about the citizens of the Republic of Cyprus as well. And, and therefore, I think that uh, this is where the guiding principle of any future president, let's say, of the Republic of Cyprus should be to be working against the enhancement of the idea of partition on the island in any way. And we said it many times, with the current division that has been going on for so many years, partition is being enhanced even within direct policies. It is being enhanced even through the barbed wire that uh, the Republic of Cyprus has been putting on the buffer zone. It is being enhanced uh, through actions that treat the, the crossing points as a de facto border. All this should be in the considerations of, of, of the future president. And I think that these are to the benefit of the Republic of Cyprus when it comes to what the problem is today. The Republic of Cyprus needs to find ways to respond to the problem as it is today and not as it had been uh, shaped in the past. Yes, we all know that uh, generally uh, developments outside Cyprus uh, eventually uh, bring new dimensions to the Cyprus problem. And I think the elections in Turkey, the developments when it comes to the energy, the developments in the Ukraine crisis, and how EU is responding to that will eventually um, will have uh, consequences 
some direct, some indirect to uh, Cyprus and to the Cyprus problem. And um, I think in our next episode, uh, probably we will have more chances to to analyze um, what the, the you know the developments um, probably after the the elections, uh, the, the presidential elections in the Republic of Cyprus. On that note, we say goodbye. The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus, Island Talks, open, diverse, free.